This program is brought to you by FortuneCopilot.com. FortuneCopilot.com helps smart business owners like you discover world-leading ideas which will transform your business. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Business, the UK's premier program for current and future entrepreneurs. I'm Anna Coote on the program this week. If you run a small business, you'll appreciate attracting new customers can be hard work, but there is an alternative approach. Got a great idea for a product, but struggling with getting the right design? We speak to the design council about what they do and how they may be able to help turn your idea into a reality. Now, who doesn't get apprehensive about standing up in front of a group of people to give an important talk? Very few of us, I'm sure. For some, though, this apprehension turns into fear and can be career-limiting. We discover that people are turning to hypnosis to overcome the problem. Josh Alex from FortuneCopilot.com is here. Josh, what do you have? Getting distracted by emails at work is something we all have to deal with, even though it cripples our productivity. So what can be done about it? How can we regain that wasted time? I may have found the perfect tool for the job. And rooms with high ceilings have been found better for creative brainstorming. That and several other behavioural tips also coming up on the show. There's some really great technology around, so any one of us could, in theory, knock out a design for a logo, brand re-image, or even a whole new product. But will your design be any good, and will your customers like it? The Design Council are a charity that for over 70 years have been helping UK businesses, small and large. I spoke to James Dugid at a recent exhibition in central London, and asked him first to describe the job of the Design Council. The Design Council is an independent agency um, that is really out there to promote the best use of design for businesses, big and small, for the country's public sector as well, and for education, so that they can achieve the best value out of the intrinsic value of design across so all the things that they do in their in their organisations. So, pardon me. What, so, when you say design, what do you mean? Product design? We mean all forms of design. We start by looking at the organisations that we help um, themselves, their brands, how, um, who they are, what they do, and what they offer. So, we look at their brand and communication to start with, and help them maximise how design can add value to the message that they want to convey outside to their audience. So how important is design, would you say? Well, I think um, design if it's, it can actually make you stand out from the crowd. Design is what actually individualises who you are and what you do. If you present yourself well, you are going to get more response in the areas that you are looking to get response from. And the, the bottom line of that is you can grow your business by making more sales, doing more business and um, making more profit. So at the end of the day, from a commercial perspective, the value of good design is out there for all to see. So as the design council, how specifically would you help a company? Well, we, I mean, the reason why we're here today is because we offer a program called the Design Leadership Program, which is where we can bring in individual consultants who understand the value of design and how it works best within a business to look at a business from top to bottom and pinpoint where improvements in design can make a difference, whether it be in product, service, brand and communication, or indeed the ethos of the company if they want to stand out with a particular message. 
So we're really involved with actually getting under the skin of a company, seeing where they can improve things from the perspective of design, whether it be in packaging, whether it be in graphic design, product design, and be able to actually find where they can get that expertise outside or from even from within the companies themselves, bring it to the fore and enable it to happen. So James, how would one get in touch with the Design Council? Well, you can Google us. We're, we're, we, you know, we're, our website is our first port of call. In fact, our main gateway is through the website, um, which is www.designcouncil.org.uk. And please come and contact us. James, thank you for struggling through the business networking uh, speed dating as well. No problem at all. Thank you very much. James Dugid from the Design Council. Some say public speaking is an essential skill for budding entrepreneurs. There are a few people that evidently would rather not be forced to public speak but have nevertheless been very successful. Richard Branson could be seen as a case in point. But what happens if your apprehension is so severe and career limiting that you need help? Could hypnosis be the answer? Here to discuss the options is Andy Cox who holds regular surgeries in London and elsewhere. Andy, being able to speak in public is more important as people move through the ranks. How much do you see of this? It's surprisingly common, Alan. Let's actually talk about what public speaking fear is. It's a phobia. And what a phobia is, is something which is irrational and inappropriate. If I describe how a phobia works in terms of, um, let's say, a spider phobia... Imagine I'm five years old and I'm standing in the kitchen next to my mum. She's the world to me. She's fed me. She's clothed me. She's kept me safe. And the most important thing is, is that she's there for me. And all of a sudden, Alan, she's no longer there for me because she's jumped up onto a table. And the reason she's jumped <laughs> up onto a table is a little tiny spider's walked across she's the floor. She's worried about it. Bang. I've mm. got a belief in an instant. My belief is spiders are dangerous. The problem comes to me 45 years later, Alan, when you can say to me, look, Andy, let's Google this thing together. Spiders in the UK, dangerous or not. Do you know what, Alan? I'm not going to believe you and I'm not going to believe Google. I've learned something, and that is that spiders are dangerous. It's not our conscious approach to the thing that we're afraid of. It's our subconscious mind will take over. And the reason for that, Alan, is quite simple, that our subconscious mind is here to keep us safe, stop embarrassing ourselves, and to stop us failing. And it will override all of our conscious thoughts if we think that one of those things is going to go wrong. So there's nothing that you can do about it? There are things that you can do. Consciously, you can make changes. You can try and think, make things more rational. So, for example, I can actually rationally think through, if I've got a boardroom presentation tomorrow, these guys are on my side. So therefore, I'm in a quite a safe environment and I think that's going to go right. I can rehearse it in my mind too. So I can make all of the unknowns known and picture that's going to be like but for some people it will stop at that stage so we can do a little bit and then we can just get to the point whereby we need a little bit more help sometimes so you're still nervous you're still very apprehensive and it's not a thing that you'd like to do is to present in front of the public uh, or or indeed your peers how do we get over this what what can we what can we do the first thing we can actually do is something really really simple and that is to make the right video in our mind of what's going to happen visualize it yeah i want to use an analogy and that is the analogy of going into a store such as blockbusters where there are loads of dvds on offer now if i go into blockbusters i can go in through the door and 
Round about the doorway area, there'll be the cardboard cutout of the latest blockbuster, the latest Hollywood blockbuster, and this is a fun movie to, to have. There's going to be the ice cream here, and there's going to be the fizzy drinks here, and there's going to be chocolate. And if I'm sensible, I will stay at this point in blockbusters and get my DVD out and take it home and have a great time in the evening. Or what I can do is go to the deepest, darkest corner of blockbusters, and believe me, there are these DVDs there which I'm not going to enjoy watching. What I can do equally, Alan, then is take that DVD home and stick it in my DVD player late at night and watch it through my, my fingers and think, oh, that's just yeah. the worst thing ever. Uh, I can then have a nightmare about it. And then just to get my money's worth, because I would like to do that, I can watch the DVD one more time before taking it back. And it's kind of like that when we prepare ourselves for an event. We will play a video in our mind. And if we choose the wrong video we choose the wrong feeling. So the chances are when we have these experiences of the boardroom meeting coming up, we put Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4 in our DVD player and we think it's going to be a bloodbath in that boardroom. I'm going to say all the wrong things. Everybody's going to be looking at me. I'm going to start to shake. I won't better hold my pieces of paper and bang, we've made the worst DVD in the world. You're never going to get past that without some Completely self-fulfilling. We can train ourselves to play the right dvd but that's where people like hypnotherapists will come in because we can say actually you can choose your own dvd to play not only do you own blockbusters and all the dvds inside you've started in actual fact you've done all the director's cuts and you can automatically choose to play the right dvd and it's fascinating talking to you i'd love to have time to talk some more that's andy cox and as always we'll put his details on our website, let's talk business online.com. Josh Alex has dropped into the studio earlier in the programme. Very interesting little thing that you pinged across me just before we came on air. Yeah, I've been collecting some behavioural insights over the last few weeks and I wanted to share some of those behavioural insights or these psychological biases that some recent research has found with you. Yeah, I heard a couple of these. I've just read through them. I particularly like the one uh, about the cafe in France. Yeah, there's this brilliant cafe in France that wanted to influence its customers to act a bit more politely to their staff. So what they did was they charged more if you were to bark an order for one coffee than if you were to just say, hello, one coffee, please, in which you paid less for. I hope they told customers that actually they were doing it doing that. It's a genius idea. Uh, there's another one actually. It's very very simple to do, and I read that these guys have put an honesty box out in the office, and they had drawn eyes on the honesty box, and it turns out people were more honest because the eyes were supposedly looking at them. That's a brilliant one. And our honesty boxes, these are the boxes in the corner of the office next to the bags of crisps, the chocolate bars, the coffee that you, you take your, your food or whatever and then you, you stick your money in honestly. Yeah, so, yeah. You've managed a tuck shop before. Well, I, I, <laughs> I've put a lot of IOUs in them before. <laughs> you're not supposed to do that. No, I know you're not. I know you're not. Perhaps they, if they had drawn the eyes on, I wouldn't have done. No, you've been more blooming honest. Another one of these is to do with the size of fonts and how they can affect us. It's actually been found that if the discounted price of a product is written in a smaller font, people perceive it as a better discount. So you go into a shop and the tendency is to write the discounted price bigger than the original price in a bigger font. So it's really obvious to all your customers that it's a discounted price, but the 
research found that it's a bit counterintuitive actually and, and what you should be doing is crossing out the old big price and writing in the smaller reduced price next to it we are weird as humans are we are so susceptible to stuff even music uh, well of course you're listening under the right place for that but a french wine distributor actually started pumping french music around his store and he discovered that he was selling more french wine when he did it i think that's an absolutely fantastic idea to not only to pump the music around obviously you'd create the ambiance but actually to see how much more that he sold i wonder what he would do to sell more german wine not where is lederhosen no i imagine that would put customers off The final one that I've got for you is perhaps my favourite of the list, and it's that people were more likely to vote in favour of a school initiative if they were in a school rather than a church hall. And what this shows us is that the place that we make decisions can affect the very decisions that we make. Yeah, the Americans have a lot of meetings in church halls. They do. You always see it in the films where all of the the town come out and meet at the town hall to discuss some sort of new initiative yeah so town hall meetings politicians have a lot of town hall meetings uh, in america and you never know the decisions that they make might just affected their voting pattern perhaps they should have more open air meetings yes (laughs) i think so Um, probably what you're saying is that they could make decisions in the cold light of day yeah i mean that's very poetic i probably wouldn't (laughs) wouldn't put it like that but yes that's very very nice i think you'll see where i'm going with that this is really interesting stuff we've only scratched the surface as always in this subject we have indeed and obviously these are only useful if you own a uh, a winery or are in charge of an honesty box but there's lots and lots of behavioral insights that can apply to every aspect of every business Uh, And it's it's a fascinating, fascinating area. I am fascinated listening to you. And much of this is up on fortunecopilot.com, I believe. It is, yeah. If you head over to fortunecopilot.com, you can find out lots more information about these behavioural insights and about a lot of the other really important bits that we talk about over there that are benefiting small businesses everywhere. Cracking. Looking forward to catching up with you a little bit later. This programme is brought to you by FortuneCopilot.com. FortuneCopilot.com helps smart business owners like you discover world-leading ideas which will transform your business. You're listening to Let's Talk Business, the UK's premier programme for current and future entrepreneurs. I'm Alan Coote, still to come on this week's programme. If you run a small business, now you'll appreciate this, attracting new customers can be very hard work. But there is, you'll be pleased to know, an alternative approach. We'll tell you what that is shortly. And Josh Alex from FortuneCopilot.com is here with this week's Business Insight. What do you have? Getting distracted by emails at work is something we all have to deal with, even though it cripples our productivity. So what can be done about it? How can we regain that wasted time? I may have found the perfect tool for the job. All of that and much more coming up. Have you ever looked at your list of customers each month and considered how many of them are new and how many bought something from you before? Well, you should have, as they say it's easier to keep your existing customers than continually get new ones. Russell Payne runs workshops up and down the country and he joins me now on Skype from his office in Lincoln. Russell, you have this thing called Windows of Opportunity. Now, I've not heard of that before. Can you tell me a little bit more? It's called what we call our Woo Chart, Alan, and we use it with several businesses all over the country. It's called Windows of Opportunity, the Woo Chart. 
Many business owners concentrate, they're almost possessed with trying to get new customers, which has a significant underlying cost to it. Advertising, email marketing, newspaper advertising. And we all know it's very difficult in this competitive world to get new business. And one of the emphasis that come from the business boot camp that I deliver is about these windows of opportunity where we, we draft up an Excel spreadsheet. Down the left-hand side, there is the customers that you currently deal with that you own and they're loyal to you and across the top of the chart you clearly identify all the products that you can currently provide to all of your client portfolio now of course let's call the products a to z and the customers one to a thousand and if you go through the spreadsheet and fill in those boxes where you provide certain products to certain customers you will obviously be left with a significant number of gaps and these are boxes windows of opportunity and presumably then what you do, you'd follow up with the customers that you're not selling to? or Well, yes. Discuss it with your team at the office or the factory or whatever it is. You say, look, guys, these products we are not selling to all these customers. So if appropriate, get something in the diary, get them in for coffee, go and remind those customers of your whole portfolio of products that you provide and have it, we call it, told and sold. Does the client know that you provide those products? Mm. If you do, they're told. And of course, once you've sold them, you're then starting to build quite quickly your turnover and hopefully profitability. So it's the told and sold aspect of the windows of opportunity. It's like, I suppose, some people say leaving money on the table. If you haven't told somebody that you actually do something, which they might be interested in, you've effectively left that money on the table uh, in a a way. Yeah. So the other thing that occurs to me about this, I don't know if you've come across this, that once you've got this portfolio and the spreadsheet, which seems to me an excellent idea, are you able then to sort of rationalise to some extent the things that you do? Does it become self-evident that maybe you're doing too much or things are very similar or you're not doing enough? That's a good point, Alan, because I think what you'll find is when you get the whole team around the table, it's a very good thing to do to remind everybody in the team of all the services that you do provide. Because sometimes we forget to deliver on certain stuff. You know, certain peripheral products or services within your armory that you forget that you do. For example, as accountants, we do tax investigation insurance. Sometimes we forget to sell that to the client. You know, in this competitive world, we can't afford, as you said, to leave money on the table. Even worse is that your customers may be buying these products from somebody else when they'd rather be buying them from you. And it's a great way of identifying it there. I like the idea of this uh, windows of opportunity, Russell. Now, you explain a lot more about this in the business boot camps that you're doing around the country, I understand. That's right, Alan. Yes, the business boot camp, it goes to Dorset, i.e. Bournemouth every six months. We also hold it in Newark, in Nottinghamshire. In Yorkshire, we have Sheffield and Doncaster and back in Lincolnshire in Lincoln. Most of them take place once every six months at each location. And all the details are shown on the website www.businessbootcamp.co.uk and if you go to that centralised website that will show you where the uh, geographical locations are for all the boot camps that are forthcoming. That's brilliant. Russell, thank you so much. I've got my spreadsheet right now and I'm doing it. Thank you for joining us. That's my pleasure, Alan. This is Alan Coop from Let's Talk Business and in the studio this week, as always, with me is Josh Alex. Josh is an editor at fortunecopilot.com. And this week, particularly interested in this, this is one of your psychological little twists, I believe. I think this one will apply to you. <laughs> and now I'm worried. 
No, 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 don't be worried. Distractions in our workplace can obviously be absolutely crippling to our productivity and emails, I believe, are the worst at this. And it's something that we've spoken about before on the show. For most of us, including myself, and I'm guessing you, Alan, it's the norm to keep our inboxes open throughout the workday. Yes, and there it is, my friend. Another email popped up. And this is embarrassing and people will go, what? All right, now, have you or have you not, dear listener, got more than 14,724 emails that have not been read? They should contact us on Twitter. If if you've got more than that, if you can beat Alan and his 14,000, please tweet us. Have you read anything in that inbox? Yes, now that's the worrying thing, is that I have. It is an active email box that I have, and... I would have say that I would get maybe 200 emails a day or something like that, of which I don't read them all. But there are some in there that I do read. So, yeah, that doesn't even include the ones I deleted, obviously, and the ones I've read. Well, this piece that I'm going to talk about now is, is definitely going to apply to you then. So I imagine that there's a real cost involved with email interruptions. There is, absolutely. There's, I believe, three costs. There's a time cost, there's a performance cost, and also there's a stress cost. I can relate to every single one of those, particularly time. There's a huge cost when an email interrupts what you're doing. Absolutely. In terms of the time cost, research has shown time and again that having to switch our focus between any tasks results in a loss of time. We humans just can't multitask. Our brains aren't wired that way. They can only process one thing at a time. One study actually showed that it took an average of 23 minutes and 15 seconds for people to deal with the distraction and then get back focused on their original task. And overall, that really must affect your performance. Yeah, it's that second cost that I mentioned, performance. It should come as no surprise to us that distractions can cause reductions in our cognitive performance. In psychological terms task irrelevant thoughts that is thoughts that are unrelated to the task at hand have shown to have harmful effects on our performance a recent experiment for example got participants to complete a task involving seeing items and pressing a button every time the item was a digit from one to nine in less the number was three and the purpose was Well, some of the participants were interrupted with mobile phone notifications and others weren't. And the study found that the notification group were more likely to make errors than the non-interruption group. Again, something I can definitely relate to. This whole interruption thing, it does create a lot of problems. And I have to be honest, it is quite stressful with that little blooming thing coming up in the top right hand corner of your screen. And I think the psychological effect that all these distractions can have on us is often overlooked. Task switching, of course, requires energy and concentration, and most of us can only sustain it for so long. One study showed that constant interruptions resulted in higher feelings of stress and pressure, which I'm sure a lot of us can relate to. Now, at this point, it should be painfully clear to us that we need to be worried about all these interruptions. A little ping may seem innocuous, but there is mounting evidence that shows that the cost of the interruption is higher than we realise. And of course, given the sheer number of interruptions, their combined effect can quickly become substantial. I think you're spot on there. I read an article the other day and it said that by 2019 we'll be sending an incredible, and I almost can't get my head around this number, 246 billion emails a year. 
And to put that into perspective to you, I calculate in my head that is around about 7,800 and something or other emails every single second of every single day. That's very impressive, but you definitely didn't calculate that in your head. No, I had it written down. Yeah. (laughs) How then can we avoid all these distractions? Well, the obvious thing to do would be to close our email clients and just check them periodically, maybe a few times a day perhaps, just to see what emails have come through. The problem with this, of course, is that there are some emails that genuinely require our immediate attention. And by closing our email clients altogether or by stopping all the notifications, we may miss these. So the first thing we need to do is we need to realise then that when it comes to emails, they're not all created equal. Some are worth our time and need to catch our attention. Others certainly don't. Is an email from your boss as important as the weekly newsletter you signed up for? I would argue here at this point that not all emails, in fact, very few emails are really urgent. And if your boss really wanted to get hold of you, then, of course, um, he could easily come down the corridor or phone you up. But I suppose the ideal thing would be, uh, particularly with your boss, is some sort of clever filtering system that would actually determine how urgent that email was. As it happens, such a thing has already been created and is available for us all to use. Damn. And a lot of research went into its development too. They got people to look at their email inboxes and rank how important these emails were and how quickly they needed to respond to them. And after they collected the results, they found that a massive 34% of all the emails we receive fell into the no-need-to-see-it-at-all category. I'm not surprised. So based on this, what they did was they created an app that filters the emails you receive by who sent them. Essentially, what you can do is you can set your emails from your boss or important clients to come through immediately, emails from certain suppliers to come through maybe every four hours, and those pesky newsletters to come through just once at the end of the week or maybe never. The way that people have been using the app since its launch has also supported their original findings with nearly 30% of people's emails being put straight into their never-need-to-see-it category. The point here is that even a very simple tool such as this can drastically reduce the number of distractions in a day and improve our productivity by considerable amounts. And with the benefits such a tool can bring, I don't think it will be long before we'll be seeing more of these types of tools start appearing, allowing us to create even more complex rules and filtering systems. So can I check that this is a system that actually doesn't even send you the email if it's not important? Yeah, that's right. It completely filters it out. Amazing. And you could do that, I suppose, with your email system. You can create some filters and bits and pieces. But the temptation is actually to dive into those little filtered areas that have been tagged as not so important or from your boss important. With this not even sending them, you don't even get that interruption, it seems. That's right. And you can set it, as I said, so that it stages them and you can get an influx of emails just once every four hours from certain people. That way you're not distracted continuously every few minutes with them popping through. Are you a person that opens your emails first thing in the morning and that's the first thing that you do? I do. I go straight into the emails, see what's new. I check them again at lunch. My email discipline is perhaps better than yours. Well, it certainly is. But this is what I did. And I highly recommend this. The notifications you get by default when you install, let's say, Outlook. It's always switched on. The little notification window pops up in the top of your screen. You Go and switch that one off. That's the first thing. 
Uh, and this actually accounts for why I have so many unread emails. It's a good thing that I have so many unread emails in a way because I don't necessarily get distracted by them. I just get lots of emails, but I don't get distracted by them. And switching that notification off, it actually, I can swear, I gained, I must have gained, what, half an hour a day at least back by not flicking across to outlook and having a look to see who had sent me this very very important email which it turns out nine times out of ten or more was not important whatsoever so through clicking that one button you saved yourself almost about two and a half hours a week yeah in time yeah absolutely the other thing that's on my machine here on this mac it, it comes up with a little envelope on the on the bar at the bottom that says you have mail and it's almost like a temptation oh I, I can't see what it is there but I've, so i know somebody's about to deliver something that's maybe really really good uh, and if i could switch that one off if anyone knows how to switch that one off please let me know uh, probably not have it in the taskbar down the bottom but there you go the next stage is to close it all together and not even bother with email well perhaps the next stage is to download this app there's more information on this app i guess up on the web we put that there there is, yeah. If you want to, uh, if you want to Google it, it's called Filter F I L T R. But what we'll do is we'll tweet a link to that as well. We'll pin it to the top of our timeline. If you go to at LTB Show, and you'll find the link to the app there. All excellent stuff. Right, that is about it for this show. Thank you so much for being with us. It has been a pleasure. The pleasure has been all mine. And if you want to know a little bit more about the programme, or you want to get maybe involved in it, maybe you've got an issue that we could have a little look at for you. Just get in touch by going to Twitter. We're at LTB Show, at LTB Show on Twitter. And as Josh alluded to, uh, all the information that we put out on the show is also on the website, Let's Talk Business Online.com. That's Let's Talk Business Online.com. I've been Alan Coote. You can find me on Twitter at The Alan Coote. This program was edited by Sean Burns and it's been a Monogram Media production. We will see you next time. This program was brought to you by FortuneCopilot.com. FortuneCopilot.com helps smart business owners like you discover world-leading ideas to transform your business.